0: excited to be able to preach again. Uh, We are in 1 John chapter 3. And let me tell you a little bit about where we've been and where we're going tonight as we get started here. First of all, if you were with us last week, you saw that in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, John takes us on a meditative rant about something that happens in verse 29. In verse 29, he talks about If you're righteous, you'll know that you have been born of God. And as he talks about being born of God, it's like he just takes a moment to talk about the beauty and the joy of being born of God and what that means to him. And so in verse 1 of chapter 3, he meditated on the love of God for his children or God's love for his children. He talked about the unearthly type of love that God has lavished on us. That was back in, first, in verse 1. Now, in verses 2 and 3, this is where we're headed. Verse 2, John is going to talk about, as it relates to being born again, God's future for his children. That's going to be verse 2. okay? And then in verse 3, John is going to talk about God's sanctification for his children. Okay, so that's the two places we're going, God's future for his children and God's sanctification for his children. Let's pray, and we're going to go ahead and get into the passage. Lord Jesus, we come to you tonight, Father, eager, hopeful, and ready for you to move and for you to work. God, if you don't send your spirit to come and to speak to our hearts to illuminate your word, and to open up our minds so that we can have understanding to see what it means for us today, we will completely miss you. Father, I pray that you would move me aside and that you would help me to preach the word of God because it is the words of God and that you would give us today a more clear picture of who you are and who we are in Christ. May our Christ-likeness increase for our great joy and for your great glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, First John chapter 3, verse 2a. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. So as John begins here, what he says is that we are God's children, none... But what we will be is upa, or not yet. Now, right as I say that, and I say, we are God's children, none. You may be asking yourself, did he just say that we are God's children, none? Like, none of us. No, that's, that's not what I mean. John says, we are God's children, none. None is a Greek word for now. What he is saying is that right now, currently, in this present moment, we are indeed God's children. But then what he says is, now what we will be has not yet, or upa appeared. So this is a present and future statement. And when he says what we will be has not yet appeared, this is in a sense what he is saying. What we will be, I'm not fully certain. There's a man named John Stott who said this, As John says these words, what we will be has not yet appeared. In a sense, this is his apostolic confession of ignorance. He's saying, I'm not sure. Now, for you right now, if you get a little bit nervous because I just said that John made an apostolic confession of ignorance because he doesn't know clearly and certainly what exactly we are going to look like in the future, if that worries you, I want to give you great hope in this. Basically, what John is saying is, I'm not Jesus. I'm not omniscient. I don't know everything. And because he's not Jesus, we can be certain that we are worshiping the true God. Now, if you have friends, right? All of us have had a friend like this before, especially those of us in the room that have been Christians for a long time. And this Christian friend, like, thinks that they know everything. That is not good, (laughs) you know? It's like that's the friend that, like, always has these conspiracies. They come to you and they say, do you know that I found out the exact day and time that Jesus was born? <laughs> Did you know that I figured out what kind of fruit it was that Adam and Eve really ate in the garden? Did you know that, like, through all this crazy mathematical equation, I was able to decipher the code in the Old Testament and I figured out when Jesus is going to return? If you have that type of friend, don't be their friend anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you're done. You know, because as Christians, we often all have to be humble enough to be able to get to a point where we say, God has revealed to me a certain amount of knowledge about himself. Clearly for John, God had revealed a great deal to this brother. He knew he was the one who wrote the book of Revelations. He had beautiful insight into the future, into who God was. But he says right here, I'm not exactly certain what appearance we will be, what will take place. Now, another thing I want to make clear to you tonight is while John does know something about the future, and we're going to get into that here in a second, about what we will be, there's one thing that he is not saying in this passage again. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. He's not saying that there's a varying degree of being God's children now, And later, we're going to be more of God's children, or we're going to be less of God's children. When you were born again, when Christ came into your life and you were saved, at that moment, you had the seal of the Holy Spirit. You had access to the Father through the blood and through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In that moment, your eternity was secure you are a child of God right now you're a child of God in in the future when Christ appears you will still be a child of God the best way in my mind that I thought that I could relate this for you is this when your mother and your father came together and they decided that they were going to conceive you had no part in that you had no say when God joined the seed to the egg That was God's work. When you were born into this world, you had no activity or involvement in that. You were born, and that was God's will. It's the same thing with a regenerate heart. When we are saved, that is God's work. We saw last week that he takes out the heart of stone, and he puts in the heart of flesh as we lay there dying on the operating table. It's God's work. But then as you become a child and you come into this world, think about this for a moment. You're, you are the son or you are the daughter of your parents when you are a baby. But then, let's say life moves on and you're 55 years old and God has blessed you. You're the CEO of a major corporation. And you've had children who have had grandchildren all right, you are, or you have had children who had children, which makes you a grandparent, and you, financially, you've been blessed, and so, in many senses, you have made it very far along in the progress of life, but here's the deal, when you go into your parents' house, your 75, 85-year-old parents' house, despite the fact that you have tons of people that are in your corporation that are following you, Despite the fact that you've had children who have now had children and you are leaving your legacy, if you walk into mama's house and you got dirty boots on, mama's going to remind you that you're her child. You know what I'm saying? She's going to tell you to take those shoes off as soon as you walk in. Now, we are our parents' children at the time that we're born, but no matter how old and how successful we become, We are still our parents' children, even if they're 95 and we're 75. Our sonship, us being daughters, it doesn't change. And in the same sense here, our sonship, our being a part of the children of God, is not increasing or decreasing right now. Get this. Right now, you are a child of God. God, and as you stand in the presence of Almighty God, you will be that same child, but there is going to be some transformation that's going to take place, and that's what we're going to get into here in a moment. Let's keep going. Verse 2, B, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Now, We need to just buckle up here, all right, for a moment because we're about to go on a ride. John is going to take us on a beautiful journey. Check this out again at the beginning of verse 2b. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Now, that statement should be breathtaking. It should be exhilarating. It should be, unfathomable, unimaginable to think about that John has just told us that one day we are going to be like Christ. Friends, that statement is one of the greatest promises, the greatest promise that a believer in Jesus will ever hear. Let me tell you why. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn here, and you can also look up on the screens, but Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and verse 29 says this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. This is one of the most memorized, talked about, used, and abused Verses of our culture today because what people do is they look at it and they say, Do you see that? God is working everything together for my good. People want to take this passage and they want to make it about their wealth, they want to make it about their prosperity, they want to make it about their health and the health of their children, they want to make it about themselves. But that statement, working together for the good of those who are called to his purpose doesn't have anything to do with your wealth, your health, or your prosperity. What it has to do, in verse 29, continuing, for those whom he foreknew, he also, be, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. The good, back there, in verse 28, that is being talked about the best good that a believer will ever experience is the full conformity to the image of his son. You get that? So, everything that is happening in your life, brother, in sister, in Christ, every experience, the good and the bad the sickness and the health the disease and the joy god is using those together for your greatest good he is conforming you to the image of his son jesus because he knows that that is the best good that you could ever experience that's the best good So when John says that we are being made like Him, it means that we are being conformed to the image of His Son. Now, and understand how we're being made like Him, you have to understand how you're not like Him. Okay? In Genesis chapter 3, what we see happen is sin enters into the earth. Now, from that moment in Genesis chapter 3, all the way till today this is what we can be certain of because of the sin of Adam and Eve they inherited the consequence or the reward as you could say which was death and because of their sin we likewise have had sin imputed into us and so a lot of people say that there's two things in life that are guaranteed death and taxes I would actually say this there are two things that are guaranteed sin and and death as you are born into the world you will sin it's a part of your nature and after you sin there is a guarantee for your sin and that guarantee is death now I know sometimes we can gather together as the church as we do so often and we look around we look at the people that we admire and we say they're so like Christ man i want to i want to be like them i want to i want to work hard like they work i want to read my bible where you could be made like him, where he could be everything that you could ever hope for or imagine. We have a great problem today, a serious problem, and that problem is that more and more biblical preaching that takes people to the very heart of the gospel in seeing the beauty and the glory of the Lord is not central. You cannot change into the appearance of Christ. You cannot be transformed into His image unless you see Him as He is. There is no amount of self-help topical teaching that will ever take you to the point of truly marveling at the beauty of Jesus Christ. It's impossible. So whenever you take out the glory of God and then you just focus on the law, you'll never go anywhere. You'll never be conformed more and more to his appearance. The last verse I want to share with you is James chapter 4, verse 8. Look at this. What if we just said, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your, purify your hearts, you double minded? Good game. See you guys next week. That does you no good. That would be like John coming to the church of Asia Minor and saying, purify yourself. You want to know what that would do? It would turn everyone into Pharisees. That's all that the law does. You have to have the grace and the mercy of Christ. You have to have the view in your mind of the Christ who came to take your punishment on the cross. And you have to have the picture of the Christ who's coming back. And when you have that Christ in view, and you know that you have a hope that's greater than the sickness that's in this earth, and it's greater than the war that's waging inside of your body, then you can say, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Abide in Christ. Prepare yourself for the coming of King Jesus. Purify yourself. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. There's no hope in law only. There's only hope in Christ. And it is through the vision of Christ. It is through the reality of God that we are conformed to the image of Christ. Conforming ourselves does not get us into the club. No. Because we are children of God, we desire to be conformed into his image, progressively sanctifying ourselves by our striving towards him and towards God's sanctification in us. If you were with us when we were going through the book of Genesis, one of the themes that came about during that book was this. Something that we saw over and over was this need for us to recognize our sin, then to repent from our sin, reform, remember what God had done, and to rejoice. This is what I want to challenge you to do. We've got a slide that's going to be up here in a moment, and it has these things that I had just shared. Recognize, repent, reform, remember, and rejoice. Our hope is only found in Christ. Tonight, may you see a clear picture of Jesus, and may you hope in him. If you are only thinking about yourself, you will be disappointed. You're depressing. So am I. But Christ is glorious, and we need to turn our eyes, and we need to turn our hearts upon him. So right now, in a process of purifying ourselves, this is what I want to ask you to do. Search your heart and see if God will reveal to you through the power of His Holy Spirit and through the good conscience that He gave you if there is sin that you need to recognize in your life. If there is, repent. If there is somebody in this church body that you have gossiped against, if there is somebody that you have had an ill heart toward, recognize that sin if you've had sexual sin in your life, if there has been greed, if there has been lust, if you have been coveting something that doesn't belong to you, recognize your sin. It is the process of becoming pure. It's the process of purifying ourselves. And when you recognize your sin, when you see it for what it is, repent. Repent means to turn away from your sin. To long to do it no more. And in your repentance, reform yourself to the person of Christ because that's the greatest hope that you'll ever have. That is where you're headed. That is where God is taking you. Reform yourself to the person and work of Jesus Christ. And as you are reformed, remember what Jesus has done for you. And rejoice tonight as we prepare our hearts to worship. I just want to ask you to bow your heads. And I want you to go through this process in your mind and deal with the sin that you have in your life. And friends, when you are ready, I invite you to stand and I invite you to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that you would do a work in this church of purifying us. Father, not because we are focusing just on washing our hands or just on purifying our hearts, but because we see you. We see your beauty, we see your glory, we see your wonder and we are awestruck. And through that our hearts are being conformed and we are being made into your likeness. Day by day. Lord Jesus, I ask right now, God, that you would help us to see our sin and that we would be purged for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.